Welcome to the Business of Dance podcast, where we discuss business growth, dance education, creating your dream business, and falling in love with your studio all over again. Now, here's your host, business coach, educator, and owner of Dance Energy Studios, Claire O'Shea. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Dance podcast. I'm Claire O'Shea, and I'm so excited to be joining you for today's episode. Starting your studio from scratch can feel as if you were climbing Mount Everest. It's big, daunting, and downright scary. At the end of the day, a studio is a business, and when it comes to starting a new business, there are a lot of risks involved. So the real question is, are you ready to put your best plan into motion, combining your passion for dance with the business world, and ready to climb your Everest? If the answer is yes, then you're listening to the right episode, as that is exactly what I will be discussing today. We all know there is more to running a studio than just creating fun dance classes. But how can you best be prepared for the journey ahead into your very own business of dance? Keep listening. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Business of Dance Facebook group, a free community for dance educators, business owners, and entrepreneurs to support and inspire one another as they grow their business into an empire. Join us today by going to facebook.com slash groups slash business of dance. So on today's episode, we're going to touch on eight points on how to start your studio from scratch. Now, I'm completely aware that everybody has their own journey. And in hindsight, you know, I would have done a lot of things different as well. But the journey we are on is the path that we have chosen and after the, from the decisions that we make. But these are just a few things that I have learned along the way and advice that I would have for new studio owners looking to open up their own dance school. So point number one is why do you want to open a studio? Now, it seems obvious but it's a really good question to ask yourself. It's important to have a clear vision for your ultimate goals, student numbers. What does your dream studio look like? What is your theme or all the values you want to have? Do you want to have a neighborhood style studio or more of a community feel? Or are you wanting a really competitive studio that maybe focuses just on ballet? It's really important, I believe, at the beginning to have a vision of where you want to go and where you want to take your studio so that you can make the right decisions and the little decisions and the little steps forward to get to the studio you want to ultimately own. Now, this is not something that you have to start from zero to 100. You know, there's different things that you can do, like starting part-time, like you might have a family or you might have a full-time job. And this might be something that you start on the side and slowly build, or you might have the option to buy a studio space and really just jump straight in. So this is really a big question to ask yourself. Do you want to start part-time or full-time and how quickly are you wanting or needing this to grow? Now, if you're wanting to start full-time straight away, or this is your ultimate goal, some things that you need to think about possibly to know when it would be time to transition from another job that you might have into running your studio full-time would be to do some numbers. And I know numbers aren't very sexy and a lot of times people get a little bit icky from them and they just it's just not something really that's fun. But it's a really important thing to do to know when you can financially transition maybe out of a full-time job into running your studio full-time. So some simple 
practical things you can do is really figuring out how many students you need to earn enough to cover your wage. Some other things to think about are, do you want to be teaching all the classes and do you want to be there every day or do you want to hire another teacher? So with that comes paying for wages and insurances. So that's just something else you have to keep in mind when creating your budget. And, you know, how do you see yourself spending time at the studio? Do you see yourself teaching classes or having a mixed role of admin and teaching or just admin? This is something that the earlier you decide, I think you can really create a studio that works around your lifestyle and not the other way around. Point number two is doing a lot of research. So some things to really consider at first are what location. So, you know, whether the building that you're wanting to hire is maybe a local hall or a church, is it easy to see? Is it easy to locate? Um, something that also to think about is, you know, that there isn't too many studios in one particular area. So everyone is within their own rights to open a studio wherever they please. But this is a community and you do want to make friends with the other studio owners in your area. So I feel like if you're really respectful and open up within a fair enough distance, then it's easy to really maintain these relationships. It's also really important to check with the syllabus that you're wanting to use as some companies have their own guidelines for how close studios can be together. And if you think about it logically, if there's too many studios in a particular area, you're just not going to get the amount of students that you're wanting. So it doesn't have to be absolutely empty of like no dance classes for kilometers and miles. But if there is a saturation in that area, I would encourage you to, you know, broaden your prospects and seek out a different area that possibly it would have a few less dance studios. When you're doing your research, it's really great to be close to primary schools and senior schools. And this is a real bonus because you know, there is a, a body of, you know, children there, which is for most people, the, the focus of their classes. So for instance, I have a headquarters studio in a main street in the area that we live. And then we also run some after school classes in a local primary school hall as like a satellite location, I guess um, some people would call it. And we find this to be a great sort of like feeder program. And, you know, even if a class doesn't suit the parent at the primary school, it's just getting our name out there more and people are seeing us in the community a lot, which I think is only really helpful. And sometimes this is also a little tip. These schools don't necessarily advertise that they rent out their premises, but they do. And depending on the location and whether it's a state school or a private school, you can find some really affordable rentals in a really great location that has, you know, a really a decent sort of building or flooring space that could be really useful to you. During your research, it's really important to think about tuition prices. So what are going to be the prices for the classes at your studio? So a little tip, even when you're starting out brand new is I don't think necessarily you should uh, target yourself or, you know, be be the cheapest studio in the area. I feel like it's totally fine to be, you know, low to middle range or even if you, you know, you want to position yourself as the elite school. You need to be mindful of the type of studio you're wanting to create and let your tuition prices reflect that. And obviously then you will also have to have a minimum amount of students to cover, you know, your wages and the wages of anyone that you employ as well as your renting prices or if you're leasing a premises or, you know, possibly owning one. So paying back, you know, a mortgage or a loan or, you know, anything like that. I would also really recommend to research based on the other studios that really inspire you, whether that be completely on a whole different country or on the other side of the other side of your country at a completely different state. It doesn't have to be anywhere near you, but do some research on the places that really inspire you. Read their blogs and you know reach out to them if there's an option to do that. Um, talking, asking to talk to the owner and seeking their advice and further knowledge is, you know, a lot of people would be really honored to pass on any knowledge that they have. So if there's someone that you really admire, I 
I would really encourage you to reach out and try and speak to them and get their advice. But there is a lot of resources out there online. And, you know, a a podcast like this is really helpful to a lot of people. But there is also a lot of other business podcasts out there that can really help you target in, in, in any particular areas that you're wanting to explore. Something also to consider if you're starting out new and really not sure where to go, if you know if it fits into your budget, you can also hire a business coach if you need further assistance or advice. And I really can't stress like how important this is when you know when the time comes or whether you're wanting, you know, you might have had your studio for a long time and you're wanting to take it to the next level, or whether you're just wanting support and advice when you're starting out. If you know this is something that you can take on board and you know maybe include in your expenses, I would really encourage you to seek someone out that you know you've either seen online or you know had recommendations from. I think it's a really wonderful thing to have someone to support you and guide you in in the startup process. Now, a really fun part and point number three is all about dreaming. So this is all about studio names and colors and motto and purpose. And it's really a fantastic opportunity to get creative. So allow yourself time to dream and, you know, create a vision for your studio. What is your vision? Write it out and take the time to dream and then make a plan. You want to create something you can easily type about or able to speak about to potential new clients. Something that is also really great other than your studio name and what you're about could possibly be a tagline that, you know, succinctly sums up what the goal or the vision or the value of your studio is so that when potential new clients see it, they can really clearly see what that you're trying to do with your studio. Some other things to dream and think about is, you know, do you have a date when you'd really like to open? Now, this could be, you know, in, you know, two months or six months or a year, but something to consider is thinking of a really practical date and one that maybe corresponds with a school year or a term, uh, which really would help you gear towards a good time for sign up. So for example, in Australia, we run term one from January and then we have term two, term three, term four. And in my opinion, it wouldn't be wise to open a studio in term four as a lot of people are already settled where they are or looking maybe to start next year. But it would be really smart to release information possibly about your studio in that second half of the year if you're wanting to launch at the beginning. Whilst you're doing all this wonderful dreaming and creating, it is really important to contact venues and see when you would be able to start. Because even though you might want to start in one month, if a venue's not available for three, it's really going to stop that for a little while. So it's important to have a venue in place. Now, point number four is logistics. So starting out, budget. So how many dollars do you have currently or, you know, how much do you have to spend to set up? What can you afford to spend at the moment and how much can you afford maybe possibly to borrow and how much can you afford to lose? So unfortunately, the reality of it is that not every business will succeed. So I wouldn't recommend investing a whole heap of money before you are really sure and confident that it's going to be viable and sustainable. Again, everyone has their own decisions and their own choices to make, which I completely understand. But generally, if you start out small and invest a small amount of money, if unfortunately anything was to go awry, you know, you you wouldn't be really severely in debt. If you have everything else figured out and in place, but not necessarily a financial plan, I would start looking at your options and creating some budgets and some outlines and things and start a savings plan as well. You need to create a basic document with information on classes and costs and as well as your studio values or your motto or you know anything about your studio that you want to share with people. And then you could do something really simple like set up MailChimp or something similar that is free to make a record of all the people that are Inquire. You really want to make sure you're getting their email address or their phone number 
ASAP so that when it comes for you to launch, that you have their information to then reach out and offer them a special bonus or possibly, you know, a free trial class or something like that. On the logistical side, some questions to ask yourself in regards to your space are, are the floors safe? Is your waiting room big enough? Is there even a space for parents to wait? Do you have disability access? Are your walls soundproof? Do you have enough storage space to, you know, st- store any equipment that you might need or your, you know, your speaker and things like that? Will you have a student lounge or a place for students to warm up if, if there is room available? Is the space properly ventilated? Is there air conditioning if you live in a really hot climate or heating if you live in a really cool climate? Is there windows and things like that? Is there a security system? It doesn't necessarily have to be, but something to be mindful of depending on your location. Does the roof leak? Are there enough toilets and change rooms, etc.? So there's a lot of things to think about. And I would say the, the main thing is to make sure that you have a safe dance space for your students. Another thing logistically to think about is, and this would really depend on your location, and I would really recommend that you look this up depending on your state and your country. But when working with your staff, are your teachers going to be employees or contractors? And are your contracts reasonable? Is your timetable convenient for your staff and students? And how many teachers do you need and things like that? Now, something to think about as well, if you have employees, you will need to be, well, in Australia, you would need to be paying for their insurance as well as their superannuation. So these are all additional expenses that sometimes people don't take into account. You know, even if you're hiring someone who's only $20 per hour, there is costs on top of that that you need to keep in mind. Step number five is sorting out all of the legalities. So, you know, in Australia, we have a business name registration site where everyone needs to go to secure their business name. Now, I'm sure there are some similar in many different countries, but it would just have a different website. So I'll leave that for you guys to Google, but you don't want to spend months and months loving a particular name and then do a search and realize that someone down the street already has it. So, you know, ensure that it's available and you're able to purchase it straight away. And then after that, secure your domain name straight away. Now, something that's a little weird and is a little tip that I have for you when you search for it, if it's available, buy it straight away. For some reason, there is like I don't know how, I've, I've done some research on it and it happens a lot that people, if you keep searching a name, it must flag something and then someone else random will buy that domain name that you want and then kind of hold it ransom. Like I recently wanted to purchase a new domain name and I searched for it and looked at it and just didn't buy it and blah, 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 blah. And then it went from being like $20 to then like 2000 because someone else bought it and was like, oh, I'll sell it to you, but for this much. So I don't know what it's about and I don't know the full nature behind it, but I just, my little tip to you is if you find the domain name that you want, purchase it immediately so you really secure that. After that, securing things like Facebook and social handles and start building your audience. So by posting regularly and consistently, you're going to increase your client base or not even necessarily client base, but your the, the amount of people that are viewing and getting to know you and talking about you within the community. If required, secure your ABN or associated business tax numbers if necessary. And once you start to take enrollments, ensure your terms and conditions cover injuries and anything else you may be liable for. Build your legal team, whether that be a lawyer or a financial advisor, an accountant, etc. Anything that you think that you may need to seek extra advice, I would highly recommend it. 
now we're coming to the more of the pointy end of the podcast. And point number six is decide. So, you know, you can dream and create these amazing vision all that you want, but it's never going to become a reality unless you start making some really smart decisions. So these things you need to decide relatively quickly. Decide and select on a name. Create a basic design of a logo or some idea that you might have. Integrate what you've dreamed up for your brand colors and themes into that logo. And then you can use a resource like Fiverr or Upwork to create a digital logo and even maybe a possibly a branding guideline that you can then share with future uniform suppliers and web people, etc. The, the quicker that you can create distinguishable logo or, you know, color scheme or something that everyone knows you by, it's just going to create that brand awareness, which is awesome. Now, using something like Fiverr or Upwork to create your digital logo is not very costly. You know, it can range from anywhere from like five to a hundred dollars, depending on how much you're wanting to spend. Point number seven is about your website. And in my opinion, this is the hub of all of your studio contact and advertising. So once you've purchased your domain name, then you can either purchase a, you know, a template and set up your website on something like WordPress, which I recommend and I find extremely easy to use. Now, by buying a template, you can literally just change the color and then like drag and drop a few different things. You can create one from scratch, but I'm not a tech absolute wizard. I can do, you know, very basic and um, maybe a little bit more advanced than basic, I guess but I wouldn't feel confident starting a website from scratch, but I've used templates before and applied my own photos and my logo and my own color scheme, which has been quite simple. Now on your website, it's really important as well to use the colors and the logo designs that are in line with your vision. You want continuity throughout your studio website as well as your social channels. It's really important to include the basic info, obviously as well, like your values, your vision, the class options, and a link possibly to that MailChimp automation we talked about to get more information or possibly to call you. My final point for today is point number eight, and that is start reaching out. So there's so many amazing people out there that are really wanting to help new business owners. So some things that I suggest possibly are asking a local school or a kindy if they would be interested in holding possibly a free workshop or, you know, a fun class for their students at your studio. If if you're renting or you have your own place, possibly even hosting a few, you know, it could be paid or a free workshop or a discounted one to get people interested and to drive traffic to your studio location. Something like an open house or something is a really great way if, you know, you have a, you know, an impressive looking space or, you know, you feel like you're really confident, able to talk to people. It'd be a really great way to get people talking about the studio and and welcoming them in. Some other things you could do is possibly go to school and host a dance class in their gym classes or their, you know, their sport classes and promote your new studio opening at the end by giving out some information possibly if if for children who are interested you don't want to force it on anyone and you know some of those lovely children would, would possibly already have a studio that they go to Now, something that worked extremely well for me when starting out was contacting the local newspaper as well as holding short free workshops over the holidays. A lot of media sources were really happy to advertise free events for free and I did get a lot of exposure for free when starting out. Another tip would be to connect and join on your local Facebook groups. So, you know, whether that's your town or, you know, the the city that you're in and start interacting with people who ask about dance studios and post in the group also about offering your services. If you're wanting to build your team and have other teachers working for you, start, you know, finding someone who you think is going to be the perfect fit and start building your team. One thing I would suggest is possibly ask friends who you've danced or taught with before and trust and even post on dance job opportunity sites, networking. And for me, I know in Australia, there's a lot of dance teacher Facebook groups where people post as well. 
You can also get out there by attending community events with like a small booth and a flag and, you know, hand out flyers and really speak with people and engage with them and, you know, welcome them to your new studio. Some other things you could do are possibly take workshops with other studio business owners and, you know, learn from others and get inspired by other dance studios. But that's that's more about connecting and building more of a vision for your studio rather than necessarily growing your student base. Now, last off, I just have a couple of tips and important things to remember and take it slow at first. Be smart and keep your vision clear. Remember why you wanted to open a studio in the first place and really keep that front of mind when you're making your decisions. Now, even though I said take it slow and not rush into anything at the end of the day if you continue to procrastinate your vision will not turn into a reality so once you feel like you've got a good plan in place then start making decisions and take action so that your dreams can come true make sure the goals that you create for yourself are realistic but meaningful to you and you don't have to have and do everything by yourself you know it's really great to get advice from others and peers and get inspired from other successful dance studios and ask for help where you need it there's so many amazing free resources out there if you're willing to take the time to find it basically I would think if you had the time to really scour the net for all of the amazing free resources that are out there you probably would cover a whole lot of things but if you don't have the time and you don't want to do that then I again I would encourage you to seek out some type of business coaching or maybe a some type of program for business owners when you're starting out also remember technology is your friend for when you get stuck and need answers as well as for promoting yourself and systemizing your studio and last but not least don't sell yourself short when it comes to tuition know your worth and let the world see your vision if you have a really clear goal and know where you want to be I just know that you can make your dreams come true thank you for joining me on today's episode for more business of dance please like us on facebook and follow us on instagram at claire o'shea coaching if you have any questions or topic suggestions or you wish to be a guest on the podcast please contact us at podcast at businessofdance.net now you probably would have already heard but we do have a free facebook group that i would really love for you to join and you can find that by going to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash business of dance and I would love to have you in our group have a fantastic day wherever you are and I hope this is really helpful if you're starting out or possibly in the the beginning of starting out and you're looking for a bit more guidance I hope you find this helpful and I hope that you are all having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world bye for now a reminder that next week there will not be an episode airing on Monday the 25th of December due to holiday celebrations We will be resuming our normal weekly episodes in the new year, starting the 1st of January, 2018. Wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and New Year from Claire O'Shea and the Business of Dance team. Thank you for listening to the Business of Dance podcast. For show notes and other episodes, please go to businessofdance.net slash podcast. To learn more about Business of Dance and stay up to date with all the episode releases, as well as lots of extra studio tips and tricks, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or wish to be a guest on the podcast, please contact us at podcast at businessofdance.net. We appreciate you taking the time to rate and review us on iTunes and wish you a great day. Stay tuned for next week's episode and until then, keep dancing your way to the business you have always desired.